0: What is that when you jump around and carry on and do the who dad, who dad stuff? The
1: who dad, you know, that's really kind of a, a fan. You know, that's that's our our, our chant. Duncan Holder Podcast back at you. Larry Holder, Jeff Duncan here on the Athletics Podcast Network. Of course, you could check us out, theathletic.com slash. Dunk and Holder or Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, tell a million, the Dunk and Holder Podcast, uh here on the Athletics Podcast Network. And Jeff, even though it got a little hairy toward the end of the Falcons game, uh, it sure felt like the Saints were almost in domination mode for the la for the first say 50 some odd minutes uh as the Saints win 21-16. They are 10-2, number one seed in the NFC right now. They could wrap up the division as early as this week. And Jeff, let's just start there, the division. I remember, I don't know, six, seven weeks ago where we thought, man, this division might be pretty tough. Carolina was looking pretty sharp. Tampa Bay was the talk of the NFL. And oh, ho-hum, the Saints are now running away with the division again.
0: Hey, you know what? I saw a stat along those lines that I didn't know that the Saints beat Carolina in week 17 be the first team ever to go undefeated in the division of the NFC South since it was formed, what, in 2002, I think it was, They went to NFC South. So there's something that, you know, Sean Payton is going to use as motivation once they get to that point, Uh, usually that last game of the year. And it could be meaningless this year. If things keep going the way they are, the Saints could possibly have the luxury of resting those starters. But as long as Green Bay's still nipping at their heels, they they won't do that. But I don't think any of us anticipated this, especially after the one and two start, right? I mean, you and I both were questioning what was going on because we were so bullish on this team in the preseason after watching camp. We both thought this was the most talented team the Saints maybe have ever had. And then they started kind of slowly. It was puzzling to all of us. And now we're seeing the team that we all thought uh, that the Saints would be this season. And uh, now I think it's it's fair to say, uh, can this team run the table the rest of the year? When you look at the schedule, obviously Kansas City sticks out in a couple weeks. But otherwise, uh, if they can get over the hump in that game in the Superdome, uh, this team could end up easily 14-2. and two, And that would be the best record in the history of the, the Saints franchise. So. Something out there for the Saints to shoot for uh, going down the stretch.
1: Jeff, I'm just glad I didn't go 2017 and see the one and two start and say, hey, (laughs) if they get to 10 games, I'm going to shave my head like when we were doing Duncan Holder back on the radio. uh, That would have been a major mistake. I think I've learned my lesson by now. So Saints slow starts don't necessarily mean that they're going to go that way throughout the season. And Jeff, it's been done all different ways as we've gotten used to it. And of course the major topic that's still going to be a topic, I assume at least for one more week, I'm wondering if you're under this assumption, let's just go there. How much do you feel like Drew Brees is pushing to play? How much do you feel like he will play in week 14 against the Eagles? Well,
0: look, we're recording this on Tuesday morning, right? So the saints have to know right now. Right, I mean, Sean Payton can't and his staff can't put together a game plan today without knowing who their starting quarterback's going to be because of the totally different playing styles of the two guys we're talking about, Drew Brees and Taysom Hill. So they have to know who's their quarterback right now. They're not going to say. We know Sean Payton's not going to say. I know I've talked to people the last 24 hours that say Drew Brees is pushing to play. So we know that, right? I mean, Larry, that's how he's wired. We know that's what he's going to want. I think he's healthy enough. He was throwing yesterday out at the Saints facility with Bo Lowry, uh, so I think there was a reason for that, for him to see where he was at, and wh- and for Bo Lowry to see where he was at, uh, and that's the the Saints, uh, you know, trainer, the, the lead athletic trainer for the for the team medical advisor. So uh, I don't know. I, I, if I'm them, I would rest him another week. I think they could. If this were a, a big game, I think he would play. But Philadelphia just feels to me and seems to me like a dumpster fire, although they were competitive against Green Bay. But I see no reason to risk him in this game. Uh, but if they didn't start him and they lost to Philadelphia, there would be all kinds of uproar about uh, losing a game like that when your Hall of Fame quarterback's on the bench. So it's a tough decision for him.
1: And, Jeff, we've seen this last year when we thought Drew Brees would sit out one more week leading up to a bye week with the right thumb injury and he came back a week earlier than maybe we anticipated, played, they won, and then they had a bye week, and then they got to, I guess, check out the thumb. So I just feel like that this injury is obviously different. We know that. I mean, it's his entire torso. That's a bigger deal, and you can't exactly rehab it. I don't even know how you would rehab it. I mean, I think it's more rest, and let's see if you've healed. And so uh, I think it's a situation that uh, – We know Drew Brees. I mean, we know how he's going to want to push to play, especially given that a lot of us are assuming this is his final run at it. He's not going to want to sit any longer than he feels like he has to. But I think the Saints staff also needs to – I know, look, whatever Drew Brees says is typically gold there, but I think the Saints staff, if they don't feel like he's healed enough, they have to be able to tell him that he's not. And so – but you're right – you know how it is. Uh, you know the the backwards and forwards of how they game plan and, and what their operation goes, Jeff. And uh, they know. Like, they're game planning today. And so let's throw it in a, in a different direction before we start critiquing Taysom Hill, looking at the defense, looking ahead to Philadelphia. Say if Drew Brees plays, how much do you think they throw Taysom Hill in there given his success, at least two of the three weeks, throwing the football?
0: Man, that's a great question. I didn't think about that. I mean, now do they have the confidence that they – you know, maybe they have a little more confidence, right, with Taysom Hill. you think so. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, like, I, I know I do now that I've seen three games of the body of work that this guy can be a weapon as a passer as well. And now I think the Saints are in a great position, right? I mean, they get – if they get Breeze back and then – whenever they get Breeze back, let's just talk that way. Whenever they get Breeze back, now you've got this – formidable weapon. You can throw this wild card. You can throw it opposing defenses and they're going to have to game plan for him. There's no doubt uh, going forward. So I think we see a lot of Taysom Hill. I don't think they're going to want to dial back on a guy that can turn something, uh, nothing into something the way Taysom Hill has shown he can do uh, these last few weeks. Uh, You know, he, he's a guy that I, I even thought about Larry when I was watching the game on Sunday how good he is at getting these short yardage situations. Uh, you know, the fourth and one he got, he got a third and one, maybe they, because of Breeze's injury, right. You know, those ribs. I mean, that's something I, I don't think we're going to see him leaping over the top anymore in these games uh, because he's exposing his ribs. Maybe Taysom Hill becomes the quote unquote, you know, short yardage goal line guy on, in all those situations because of his ability, his power. I mean, he's like a linebacker. Uh, there's just a lot of, exciting kind of things that they can do with him to add to their offensive repertoire uh, going down the stretch.
1: I worry that Sean Payton gets too interchangeable. Mm -hmm. That would be my concern because Drew Brees, he's still one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. Why would you want to take him off the field? uh, Just because you've seen Taysom Hill play and I think this is such a delicate balance. If I'm Sean Payton, I probably would stick to maybe a similar snap, quarterback snap regiment than before. But you can throw more passing in there. It doesn't have to be taste some run, taste some handoff. There is a legitimate threat. So in that sense, I think it's certainly a positive. But I would be wary of going, and I tease this, about this just because I wrote a story about it earlier in the year where uh, Mike Ditko was throwing one quarterback in and then Sean Payton in one quarterback in and Sean Payton in they were rever They were going in like a uh, revolving door each play literally in Sean Payton's uh, final game in the NFL in 1987. This was a strike game against the Saints. I'd never seen that happen before in the NFL. I just don't want Sean to be so jumpy to where, wow, all right, Drew Brees in this certain situation would have been gold. Uh, but like I said, it, is, it, it seems like every week, Sean Payton, and you mentioned this, I feel like, uh, in your Fox 8 commentary, why in the world is Sean Payton not a viable Coach of the Year candidate? I know I'm like jumping off tangent. We right. can talk about that uh, later on too. But he has gone through so much and different quarterbacks and all you know I I was watching the Steelers game yesterday and they're talking about wow Mike Tomlin boy he had one of his best coaching jobs last year the Steelers went eight and eight and they went eight and six without Ben Roethlisberger I mean Sean Payton is eight zero without Drew Brees as a starter the last two years how does he not get the same love as other people I just don't understand it
0: you know I think that's a great point because I think sometimes everyone gets caught up when the not that Mike Tomlin applies here, but the, you know, the new shiny object, the new kid on the block is Kevin Stefanski, who's done a great job in Cleveland. Uh, You know, that's a long downtrodden franchise and he's come in and turned that thing around. So I think he certainly is qualified and deserving, but Sean Payton has been so good for so long. I think people take him for granted and they've been on this run now where they're looking at another potentially 13 win season, which would be unprecedented. They have three in a row. Uh, and I just think sometimes he gets overlooked. His ability to game plan, and he and his staff, and I think that's another big part of it, right, Larry? It's not just Sean. I mean, obviously, he's a he's the head coach. He deserves a credit. But the fact that this staff has been together, for now we're going on four seasons straight, other than Mike Nolan, everyone's been there together. Now, that's a huge asset. So they're able to fix things very quickly. I think Dennis Allen, his staff showed that. How quickly they've turned things around because they've all worked together and they're all familiar with the scheme and the system. And I think that continuity and stability, uh, and that goes back to Sean Payton. I mean, if Sean Payton was difficult to work for, people wouldn't be here. Uh, you know, they'd leave. So I think all of this kind of falls under Sean's coaching umbrella. But I think the staff overall, the fact that they've been together so long is a huge asset going forward, especially in a chaotic season like this year where we've seen all of a sudden – Your starting left tackle is not going to be playing 24 hours before kickoff. You find that out, and you've got a game plan with James Hurst as your starting left tackle, and look how well they've done in that regard. You know, you could make the argument on Sunday they were playing without their starting quarterback, their starting left tackle, and two of their top three cornerbacks once P-Rob went out after the first series. Those are arguably the, the three most important positions in the entire game. Uh, I guess you could throw an edge rusher, right? Those are the most important positions and the Saints are playing kind of with one hand tied behind their back and they still beat their division rival on the road for the second time in three weeks. It's pretty impressive.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and we've seen it time and time again and uh, it kind of reverts back to a column I wrote last week. Uh, who is the most indispensable player, irreplaceable player? Well, they don't really mm-hmm. exist because the Saints have done such a good job over the last several years. They can overcome just about anyone uh last week when katherine Terrell was on the pod i almost just made the argument well maybe it's cam jordan or maybe it's demario davis because we haven't seen them play without him because they've won with everyone one else being hurt at some point and so it's uh but it just goes to show you just how uh, the continuity and all of this and that's that's also one of the reasons why so many people were taken aback when they start one and two you figure that continuity would have uh, been able to uh propel them early but i'm pretty sure Saints fans aren't displeased that the continuity finally caught up, say week four in Detroit, when things started looking haywire, they put it together and now they've, they haven't lost since. And so let's go back to Taysom Hill uh, because if this is the last time we've seen him as a full-time starter for the Saints this season, uh, what do you make of his overall play? I have a feeling we might have a slightly different opinion because (laughs) your take on Taysom's future earnings has probably jumped to at least 51%. You, you get more than he will get if he
0: succeeds. You know, I'm the captain of team Taysom, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But look, I think he's been almost exactly what I thought he would be. You know, he's got flaws. He's not perfect, obviously. Uh, he's got a long way to go as, as a passer, but he's good enough Right now, and I think that's the key. I mean, we were talking about the coaching staff, but uh, you know, this team is so talented and so good right now, it's so deep. I mean, that's another thing we should probably talk about is just how deep this team is. That that also plays into why they're able to lose some of these key players. They've got a guy like James Hurst who started in the league, and there's really not a huge drop off when he comes in the game because they're they've got so many good uh, players behind the starters. But Taysom. I think has given them enough confidence now to know that they can win with this iteration of the saints. And let's face it, Larry, after this year, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, there's going to be a lot of changes. There's so many big contracts that they've got to decide on so many key players. Uh, That's going to be fodder for the off season. Uh, This team is so loaded right now, but I don't think we're going to see this team going forward. I don't know how they can keep it together. Uh, So can they win with Taysom Hill when they're not this, Talented. I don't know. I think he's good enough to win with this team right now. I think Jameis Winston would be winning a lot of these games right now, probably a quarterback because they're just so they're just so good, and they haven't been playing the elite in the NFL. Let's face it, Atlanta and Denver three straight weeks. Uh, you know, if they went into Kansas City with Taysom Hill, it'd be a different different subject, right? So, uh, but I do think he's played enough, well enough, that you should have confidence that you know he's he's a bona fide. NFL caliber quarterback. Now, whether he can do it over the long haul and be a starting elite player, I don't, I don't know if anybody knows that. I mean, that just has to play out. But I think we saw enough of what has attracted Sean Payton and the staff to him. The fact that he can turn nothing into a 40, what was a 43 yard run? I mean, it right. was that was nothing there, and he turned it into a 43 yard run. He he gives them something uh that Drew Brees doesn't. He's just a different kind of quarterback but there still are some shaky moments as a passer. And, and and I think it's important to note Atlanta is one of the worst pass defenses in the league. Uh, this was not the, you know, 85 bears he was going against. So it's still, I think uh, remains to be seen how good a passer he could be at the NFL level.
1: If Taysom Hill couldn't be a good passer against Atlanta, he couldn't be a good passer against anyone in the right. NFL. I mean, that's been my disclaimer in this, but he wasn't just okay against them. he was. Really good. Both games, pass rating was very high. Uh, look, first game he played against, I'm just, I'm totally throwing Denver out the window. That game, I'm. I, if you're going to try to make judgment on that, the game plan for the Saints changed in the matter of, what, 36 hours, 24 hours. I'm not even, that is just a bad preseason game. Like, he's playing in the fourth quarter, and they're just running out the clock. Like, that to me is not what I'm gauging that on, because... If Denver had Drew Locke and they had those guys, the game plan would have looked differently, and Taysom wouldn't have been sheepish. And at times, even though, look, when he took throws, he threw down the field, he was hesitant just to throw a screen pass just because he didn't want to make a mistake. Like, that was the game plan going in. And it. There's, you could tell in his first week to his third week that when he, they said, all right, we're going to open this up and actually play a pretty – normal per se offense with Taysom Hill as a quarterback he could throw the football and he could put zip on it and he could put it in a tight window and uh, those sort of things whether he can run it pass it I think he's proven that uh, like you said Sean Payton you can see why he's enamored with him and yet if there's someone else out there who he feels like can beat him out uh, I still think that they have to explore that this offseason if Drew Brees retires but uh, the fact that he's been able to throw and throw well on a team that has seen him play a bunch. I mean, I know they haven't seen him throw a bunch, but they had two, two cracks at the guy in three weeks and he threw it better. The second crack, uh, the second time around than the first, than the first time. So I think that that shows something. Now, uh, if he plays and I think you and me, are, are we're going under the assumption that Taysom is still the starter this week. Even if Drew Brees comes back, okay, we'll be slightly surprised, but Taysom, Probably should be able to throw on the Eagles. Their corners are banged up. Uh, you know, teams have been able to throw on them pretty well these last few weeks, and this is a team that is reeling. And so I feel like this is another. I, if Taysom takes a significant step back this week, and that's the our final taste of Taysom this year, uh, I think that people will be even more sheepish uh, than they were before or still are. But I, I'm I'm with you in that. I think he's done enough uh, to say, all right, you put him in game plan and this, that, and the other, and you have the complementary pieces that uh, that he can win games in the NFL. Not Maybe maybe not 15 games, but he can certainly win games in the NFL.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a great way of putting it. Like he, He's not Drew Brees, but there's not ever going to be another Drew Brees here. So people have to get used to that fact. And look, the, the touchdown, his first touchdown pass that he threw to Traquan Smith you and I could have thrown that. That was LSU's passes. pass
1: defense from the night before. It's the same <laughs> route, the same open space. No one was within like 50 yards of the guy. If you miss that, you're terrible.
0: Yeah, I mean, that just shows you how bad Atlanta is in the in the back end. I, don't, I still don't know. I know Taysom said they put that thing in like the day before, but it wasn't like there's was a lot of trickery in there. I mean, I watched it multiple times. He just ran right across the field and no one picked him up. I mean, it was mind-boggling. Uh, so, so obviously, Atlanta is, again, not a great judge of of pass defense right now. We're going to find out a lot. We're going to find out a lot about this team here in the next few weeks, especially when they get Kansas City in two weeks. I don't want to skip over Philadelphia, but I think that's going to be a great gauge game for the Saints' defense because, while, look, I've been impressed with what they're doing. Um, they clearly know Atlanta very well. It's, it almost feels like throwing those games out because – they just know Atlanta so well. Good point. You know, there's just nothing new there. They don't, they don't look like they're fooled by anything. And I feel like their coaching is so much better than Atlanta's, especially now without Dan Quinn around. Your head coach is gone. Raheem Morris is trying to be the transition guy. It just seems Dirk Cutter is not inspiring to me. I mean, I thought Atlanta had a chance to win that game. They get down there up 21-16. They're kind of in control of the clock. they got second and two, and he runs just two totally – uncreative plays into the teeth of the Saints' strength, right, their, their run defense, uh, no misdirection, nothing that's given the Saints issues this year. Now, you know, we, we seem to know better than Dirk Cutter how to attack the Saints because those two plays had no hope of getting the first down, and, and they squander that opportunity. There's a reason they're, I think, 31st in the league in red zone offense. I mean, uh, so that, that coaching staff, to me, can't match up with the Saints, and neither can Bruce Arians and his staff. Now, Carolina down the road, I think that's going to be a a franchise to watch because, in my opinion, they've got things going the right direction with Matt Rule. And if they can keep here, – they're going to match up with anybody. And now they've got the the goods with this team on defense. The talent is there. Uh, I think you would agree – this might be the best defense the Saints have ever had in the Peyton-Breeze era.
1: I would say in the Peyton-Breeze era, yes. And then you're talking about the numbers go back to the Dome Patrol, and that was a different style of football where uh, you could get away with line and quarterbacks and you're not getting penalized and, and things like that. And so defenses certainly put more fear uh, in, in offenses back then than they do now. And when you look at – who they have left, and you mentioned Kansas City, we cannot sleep on Minnesota. They're in the playoff hunt. I kept thinking that that game was going to get increasingly more challenging as the season has gone along. They're starting to get themselves together. Uh, they uh, they, They could make the playoffs and imagine, oh, geez. Imagine if the Saints finished as the two seed, and then they've got to face Minnesota as the seven seed, deja vu all over again. Uh Uh-oh. I just put panic into
0: everyone. Here's one thing I would say about that, and I I completely agree, but I just know how Peyton's wired. I I think that Christmas Day game, they're going to lay a a woodshed whipping on Minnesota. I I think the way (laughs) they played last year against them, I think it was embarrassing to everyone involved and shocking to some degree that it was over, right? I mean, it just ended so suddenly, right? Uh, the Saints didn't get the ball much in that game. That's another thing people forget about. I mean, they criticized the, the Saints offense, which did not play well early, I agree. But they only had the ball for like 50-something plays because the defense couldn't get off the field in that game. Remember how many third downs Minnesota Right. I just feel like that Christmas Day game, big stage like that, they got, they've got they got the primetime audience, uh, you know, Christmas Day um, spotlight. I think they're going to lay it on Minnesota regardless of what happens against the Chiefs. Uh, but I'm really intrigued to see just – I don't even care how the game comes out against Kansas City. I want to see how the defense plays against Kansas City because that's legit offense right there. I'm not sure that Kansas City's defense is, is all it's cracked up to be. I'm not that impressed with them. I think the Steelers would be a much more difficult matchup in the Super Bowl if it were to get to that point. Uh, I know I'm getting way ahead of myself. But Kansas City's offense it has all the ingredients to give the Saints – a challenge that they haven't had, frankly, going against Nick Mullins. Uh, you know, Atlanta does have some weapons, but their offensive line is so bad. The Saints just eat them alive, and Matt Ryan looks like a deer in headlights back there. I mean, he just he had guys open on Sunday, Larry, a lot of guys open, and he didn't find them because he was just so flustered by the by the pressure because the the Falcons' offensive line is so bad. And then Denver, like you said, throw that thing out. So I'm still not completely sold on this defense being, you know, the next Dome Patrol. I think they're definitely good, and they're good on all three levels. Let's face it, DeMario Davis might be the best three-down linebacker in the league right now, the way he's playing. Quan Alexander's an upgrade. And then the secondary clearly has fixed some of the issues early on, and the defensive line is is without question the deepest, most talented they've ever had here since I've been covering the team. Going back, they were maybe more talented with – the heavy lunch bunch and Darren Howard and Leroy Glover and Joe Johnson, but they weren't this deep. I mean, they, they get they've got guys come off the bench like Carl Granderson and Shy Tuttle, I think could start for other teams in the league. It's it's a huge luxury to have.
1: They have like a hockey shift change on the D line that they could do and they use it well and that's what keeps them fresh. And I think that's why you see someone like Shy Tuttle. Get in there and pressure because the all this like say the Falcons' offensive lines like oh my gosh here's some fresh guy he's ready to go motivated and and gets in there and and bats Matt Ryan in the arm this that and the other and so yeah I I think that is something that uh, can't be overlooked that they can do a shift change there and keep those guys fresh and even look Cam Jordan fresh How I many he's played how many snaps and he's not playing every single snap I think that helps him. And look, you know, people were bagging on him for a little while. He was the NFC Defensive Player of the Month. That almost, like, slipped past my radar. But the fact that he was right. that, he, and people are totally me too. I wasn't bagging on him. I was just saying that he wasn't getting the sack numbers. He was certainly getting double-teamed. But that was helping other people. Like, David anyamata has had a, a, an incredible season. Uh, obviously, Trey Hendrickson's had an incredible season. And so... Like I feel like if you're going to beat Kansas City and we're that's uh, it's amazing that we're focusing in on tiebreaker wise the least important game of the year that's a, a, a few weeks away that's uh, but I think we're starting to see like the Saints and the Packers are the class of the NFC uh, I think Seattle uh, I mean they look yeah exactly defense and, right ex- yeah exactly and even Russell Wilson I mean they couldn't get it done at home against the Giants they looked anemic. And so you're figuring Saints-Packers.
0: Maybe Rams, maybe.
1: Maybe, but Jared Goff, uh, look, he could be way good and way terrible. And there's no real in the middle with him. And so uh, I think that's why we're looking at teams like, all right, the Steelers, okay, the Chiefs, and how can they hang with someone like Tyreek Hill or if they have their backs going with Clyde Edwards-Helaire and uh, and Le'Veon Bell back there, and and how are they going to handle Travis Kelsey? I mean, I, I know we're going to dive into more of this, but this is now, we 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 know who the haves and have-nots are in the NFL now, and so we can't help but look ahead a little bit to see how this thing might play out.
0: Well, it's like, goes back to the preseason when Taryn Armstead said, Super Bowl or bust, and then we asked, Sean Payton on the conference call about what his thoughts were of a fourth straight winning season. And he said, well, the expectations and standards are much higher than that. And so they also, even though they won't admit it publicly and they've done a great job of taking it one game at a time. And I think that's been another uh, credit to Sean Payton and his staff. I mean, they haven't had that, that clunker game this season. I mean, unless you want to count the Raiders game, which uh, I'm not sure that's fair. Uh, they they've really managed this season very well. And I think the other thing that we should, we should mention that is really reason for optimism is while they've had a ton of uh, injuries in some degree, none of them are season ending. So they've managed, it feels like Sean has managed. He knows how good this team is. He knows what the big goal is and he's managed it with January in mind, maybe late December in mind, keeping these guys out, uh, for as long as possible to get them back healthy and you look around the league i mean the saints are the healthiest team in the entire nfl i think pittsburgh's right there with them but, but there's a reason that the saints have been uh, able to you know go on this run is they haven't lost like anybody for a season-ending injury and i think that's huge
1: all right let's shift to the eagles game real quick while we have a couple minutes left They're going to play the, we're not going to tell you who's going to play quarterback, basically just like Sean Payton did uh, when Drew Brees went out. I don't blame the Eagles at all. Uh, We've seen Carson Wentz. He struggled. Jalen Hurts came in uh, against Green Bay, almost pushed him uh, to at least getting close into that game, uh, throwing a touchdown, but he played uh, a bunch of snaps. It wasn't just situationally, and so I think that. The quarterback situation, I don't think it's as big of a challenge as maybe people might anticipate uh, just because I think they're all, all Sean Payton could just dial up the scouting department and say, hey, what would you see in Jalen Hurts in college? I mean, that was a year ago. I mean, last time I saw Jalen Hurts start, LSU's defense ate him alive, and this was when they were rolling against Oklahoma, and that was his last game in college. And so even though there's not a ton of tape, you know what kind of player Jalen Hurts is. Uh, in, in maybe a different light than you might not know what a kind of player Taysom Hill is because you haven't seen recent film of him.
0: Well, if I'm the Eagles, I would definitely start Jalen Hurts, right? Uh, we know how banged up they are on the offensive line. I think the Saints defensive line, Larry, is going to eat them alive. I mean, I think they're going to destroy their offensive line and the only hope I think they would have would be if you have a mobile quarterback like Hurts and some things uh, maybe to avoid it. Otherwise, I mean, Carson Wentz is just going to be a sitting duck back there. I, I don't see any hope for him. He's a reclamation project for that organization. Uh, I think he does have some talent, but clearly he's lost confidence. And he's going to have to be an off-season project. Not, not necessarily – he's not going to find it in the middle of this week suddenly. Uh, so I think they go with Hurts and maybe try and make the game a little, uh, shorten the game and make the game a little dirty and maybe a pull it out in the fourth quarter. But I don't see any hope for Philadelphia in this game. I, I think the, the, the injuries they've had up front, I think they're down to two starters or one starter left. Um, I don't see any hope with them the way the Saints defensive line is playing because even if they have one or two guys – that have a, a letdown game or don't bring it, they've got so much talent, so much depth. The backups are going to get after them. Uh, and I just think they're going to dominate their offense.
1: And look, we've seen Demario Davis. He's one of, as far as a traditional linebacker, he's arguably the the best blitzer in yeah. the NFL. And so if he's got to keep an eye on Jalen Hurts or Quan Alexander, of course, he's playing fast. He's healthy. Uh, either one, I feel like the Saints linebacking corps can make that happen. And so, yeah, I, and I'm wondering Malcolm Jenkins, revenge game, blah, blah, blah. Who knows? <laughs> hey, we, we, we've heard those so many times, but Hey, no. <laughs> I forgot about that. I, I, I totally forgot. About I, it. I just, I don't know why I just th- thought of it. Cause I really did not even think about it until I just said it. But well, it just popped in my head.
0: How about this though? What about reliving our last time you and I were in Philadelphia together for an Eagles game and it being maybe the coldest day in the history of North America. Right. And one- <laughs> like negative No, know it
1: was that was leading up to the 2013 uh playoff game it was zero i remember it was zero and then we woke up the next morning and it was 20 and it felt like it was a sauna like who would have thought from 0 to 20 the temperature would have been so different and unfortunately Jeff i don't think that was the last time we went there because i think we went a couple of years later and we saw Sam Bradford shred oh that's right the Saints. that's right
0: but that is a forget. I do thing. remember you all, you and <laughs> Catherine, being a very Catherine Tara, our colleague, being very crabby as I tried to take you all on a little bit of a tour of downtown Philly and show you all Rittenhouse Square, beautiful Rittenhouse Square. Yes. and you all were complaining the entire time as I tried to show you all this beautiful it iconic. It
1: was zero. Car. It was zero in the middle of the night. I remember us Not We, ran, we of- ran straight into a bar and I grabbed the the hottest shot of bourbon. <laughs> I could find, and I don't know if that was a good idea either. I, Cause that was a shock to the system too. So it uh, was
0: brutal that night. I remember you're <laughs> right. They warmed up enough the next day, but that was the game that the saints won on the road, right? It was the first playoff road win.
1: Yes. Uh, where uh, Shane Graham kicked the last second field goal to, uh, to win that game. And then uh, they went to Seattle the next week and lost. Uh, Seattle won the chain. Well, Seattle won the Super Bowl. So there you go. Yeah. Good time Anyway, exactly. So, all right, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Duncan holder podcast. Again, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. You can go get on there. And also, don't forget Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And I know at The Athletic right now, we have a Christmas deal. You buy one subscription, you get the second one for free, and you can gift it to someone. So I think that is uh, – It's a deal. If you're looking If you're looking for that – I mean, it's too, yeah, you're spending 30 bucks on someone and then you're spending 30 bucks on yourself for the greatest sports coverage in the history of mankind uh, at theathletic.com. So, all right, Jeff, good talking to you this week. We will be back next week for another edition of the Duncan Holder Podcast here on the Athletics Podcast.